You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for joining us on the Renewed You podcast. We're here to help you discover how mental, physical, and spiritual health combine to help you live your best life. We want to give you hope, tools, and encouragement because the world needs a renewed you. Now, here's your host, John Yule. Hey, 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 welcome to this next edition of the Renewed You podcast. I am your host, John Yule, and uh, we are sponsored by New Life Church. And we would love for you to check us out at newlifeokc.org. And uh, we have a lot of information there and ways that we would love to be an asset to you and your life. We believe that uh, the goal of being a Christ follower is that he doesn't want to just save us for eternity, but he wants to to change our mind, change our hearts, as well as heal our bodies, strengthen our bodies so that we can live a completely renewed life. And that's the goal of this podcast. We're continuing from uh, the previous episode where we talked with uh, Wayne Hines, who has written a book called Breaking Free from Addiction. We're going to talk about that book in this episode. I want you to know that there is going to be a there is a link in the uh, contents and description of this podcast. You can get this book on Amazon, and we'll have a link there for you, um, and uh, as well as Barnes and Noble. We'll put those there where you can uh, get yourself a copy of Breaking Free from Addiction by Pastor Wayne Hines. Wayne, as we jump into this, uh, of course, I've got Wayne Hines with us. I've got my dad with us as well. Um, drug addiction. Let's let's focus on that for just a moment. Um, is really important to me. I've never. I've. I'm not. A, I'm not a drug addict. Never been a drug addict. <laughs> um, but I have a very good friend, a young man, who um, his struggles made an impact on my life um i knew this young man pretty much his whole life um we'll just call his name you know jason so i knew i knew jason his whole life um when we started our church fellowship church uh jason started coming around and uh jason by that point um, had developed a drug problem and he was trying to uh, break free and he would make strides and then he'd fall off the wagon and then he'd make strides and you know fall off the wagon got himself in all kinds of trouble you know Um, his parents were amazing uh, in, in trying to help him and and all that goes with trying to help an addict and uh, he made some some really good strides, um, had some encounters with God, and and uh, he would call me, and we'd meet on a regular basis, and um, and then I noticed there was a couple of weeks that he hadn't shown up on the weekend, and I was I mentioned to my wife, I'm like, I wonder where Jason is. We we need to go hold of Jason. We knew where he was working and where he was living at the time, and. Um, that Sunday afternoon, um, we got a phone call that um, his mom, who uh, went to church, 
um, came home and found him dead. He had died of an overdose. And he had been clean for, you know, a while. At least that's what he told us. And um, anyway, his death really made a huge impact on me. And I began to think, man, I, first of all, I, I realized, man, when you're dealing with, with an addict, you, you can't believe everything they say, man. You, you got to be involved in their life enough to see through the, the, the stuff. And um, so that made a huge impact on me. Um, then I met, got reacquainted with a cousin. You can actually find, listener, his story. Um, he was on an earlier edition of the Renewed You podcast. Just search down and look for an interview with Chris Drake, um, who Chris, about the same time as Jason, had gotten into a major issue with drugs and, and alcohol. And um, he had, he had uh, finally allowed God to change his life. He got to a place to where... First of all, he had to want to change, but um, he then let God change his life. And so I was interviewing him, and he began to tell stories, and I had no idea, you know, whether you know the, his level of involvement in in that world, you know, and now to see him be a part of reaching addicts like himself, and in his goal of of I know all the people I hurt, and I want to go if I can just save one then then it's all been worth it. So I'm passionate about the addiction side as far as helping people get free. We alluded to this in in the first episode. I think we also have to expand the our our personal um, understanding of the word addict and realize that all of us, I believe all of us are addicted to something. You know, um, drugs are horrible. They do horrible things to the body, but so does sugar. And we're addicted to sugar. Um, so does eating too many carbs, but you don't hear us talking about bread. I remember as a kid, my dad had this guy who would come to our church and he was a preacher. And, um, you know, he always, he came for a couple of years and I always hated the Wednesday night message because it was the same thing. Don't you know that it is a sin for a man to have long hair? And I had longer hair at the time, you know, so I always felt like he was preaching to me. And so he loved to talk about how the, about hair. And I've always been this kid who critically looks at things, but he never would talk about the fact that his belly hung below his suit vest. And, and so my point is we're addicted to stuff and we've got to learn how to break free. So though we're going to talk about drugs and, and alcohol and addiction, I think that a lot of these principles would apply to all of us, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Why don't you start going through the book there? Um, what do you think is the, is the first important key to helping people break free from addiction? Well, I'm going to start later in the book than the beginning, if that's all right. Uh, the first, the first thing we got to figure out is, is the difference between the word sober and the word clean. Okay, that's a great question because I've asked that of guys before. Okay, sober means that I'm not under the influence. Clean means that I no longer have the taste for it in my mouth. Mm. You can be sober for ten years, but not be clean. Yeah, and you can be clean a year or two after you're done being sober. So, 
And, and I, didn't, I didn't understand that concept. I was taught that concept by somebody who was my age, who'd been an addict virtually all their life and had just recently in the last four or five years come out of addiction and given their life over to God. And, and as I was writing this book, that wasn't even intended to be in this book. And, and I'm dealing with someone when he walks into the, our Clarabelle's restaurant, I'm dealing with an addict, I'm having a little interaction with them. And he was sitting over on the other side of the restaurant eating and we're the only two tables in there. And he comes over and interjects himself into our conversation and explains where our difficulty is. Hmm. It was absolutely a God moment yeah. that ended up in this book. Uh, but but we get on to people who are who who take two steps forward and a step back. They fall off the wagon, right. as as you said, and and we don't understand why they fall off the wagon. And when you understand the difference between clean and sober, you understand that if someone's not miraculously delivered by God in a moment or or in a a, a very short space of days or weeks. Uh, they're going to go through a process and they are probably going to fall off the wagon multiple times before they get sober long enough to become clean. Okay. Then, then there's the, 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 the biology or the physiology part of it. Uh, understanding what, what drugs and alcohol do to your brain and, and the, and the dopamine that gets, put out into your system and to understand it, it can take six to 12 months up to 24 months for your brain to be rewired back to normal after you've had a heavy involvement in drugs and alcohol. And so no matter how hard they're trying, if they go through the process, there, there's a period of time before their body sort of naturally heals and restores itself that, that they're gonna struggle. So just because they're six months in doesn't mean we write them off and go, oh, they're okay now. We don't have to worry about them. Yeah. No, six months in, they got, they got another 18 months that they need, they need prayer, they need support, they need conversation, they need, they need us to walk with them even when it seems like they're okay. They're so, still not okay. So when you say, um, you know, I love that, that differentiation of sober and clean. Um, and you say that you're clean when you no longer have the taste for something. Uh, does that, does that mean you no longer have the conversations in your head about, you know, well, I, I, I've got time. I could go over here and buy this or that's exactly is, what I that's mean. what you're meaning. That's what I mean. Uh, you don't, you don't have a, a physical desire for it anymore. You don't have, um, I, I hesitate to say you don't have a temptation anymore, but but the temptation presents itself, and and you don't automatically succumb to that. You don't you you have the ability to say, yeah, it's a temptation, but it's not a temptation to me. Yeah. I, I've lost my desire for that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite scriptures, uh, Psalms 42, one says, as a deer, I think you used it Sunday morning, mm-hmm. as a deer pants for the water, so our soul longs after you. Uh, to break free from addiction, there is a change of desire. Yeah, that's good. We, we were a slave to this desire and, and we were healed of that desire and we now have a different desire. 
oftentimes when you work with people who are addicts, what you find is 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 a drug addiction becomes a, a Mountain Dew addiction and coffee and Red Bulls, and we replace um, something worse with something lesser. And, mm-hmm. and then you work with them on, on getting rid of the Red Bull addiction, um, you know. But ultimately, that desire to have something, do something in your life is replaced. And of course, as, as Christ followers, is to use your verbiage, uh, the, the, the desire for a drug or alcohol to do something to us, we ultimately are not just getting rid of that desire, we're, we're trying to birth a desire that, that everything I need is in a relationship with my Heavenly Father. And, and once I discover that, once I discover that love and acceptance is not in a group of addicts who really don't care about me, love and acceptance is, a, is in the family of God that God put me in to bring me out of this addiction and to be my life support system while I go through that. Yeah. Uh, one of the pictures I draw is, is uh, oftentimes when you're deep into addiction, you, you, you'll find yourself um, as, as I found somebody in, in Uwoka, they're, 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 they're basically in a crack house. Uh, it, it's an abandoned house. It hasn't been lived in. Uh, but you got a group of folks that come to this house the inside of the house is, it's, it's full of needles. It's, it's, it's full of McDonald's trash and beer bottles and, and, and they literally go and sit in a pile of filth to do drugs with their buddies. Hmm. But the reality is those buddies don't care anything about them unless you got something to share with them. Yeah. You know, uh, Psalm 68 and six says that God sets a solitary in families and brings the rebellious out of a dry land. And, and really for, for someone to come out of addiction, um, I believe is, is most of the time a divine encounter in which God brings an addict uh, to, to someone in the, in the body of Christ to, to become that person's family and, and bring them out of that place of isolation that they've come to uh, out of their addiction because you will lose your family. You'll lose your, your, your mom and dad. You'll lose your spouse. You'll, you'll lose your kids. Uh, you'll lose everybody around you that has any value uh, to you because you burn all those bridges of relationship. Uh, mom and dad say, look, we're going to, we're going to die broke, uh, and still have years of our life left. If, if we don't put you out, uh, you, you can't come home and steal any more of our stuff. And my wife says, well, you know, I, I got to feed the children. So you're going to have to go someplace else because you're using up all the family finances and I can't feed the kids. And, and your employer says, well, you, you can't steal all, all the tools from our, from our, from our shop to feed your addiction. I, I, I have a business I have to run. Uh, the, 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 the neighbors run you out of the neighborhood by calling the police because they, they can't leave the garage door open. They can't leave their car unlocked. They, their, their kids aren't safe anymore. And so you, 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 you burn all your bridges to all your relationships and you find yourself isolated. And, uh, a lot of times when you know somebody is, is God's, God's up to something because he puts an addict with someone with a with a passion and a love and a compassion and understanding for that addict together at a time when when he's going to use them to be that new family to bring them out of that place and and the body of Christ needs to be ready 
in the same way that you were to be ready always to give an answer for the reason of the hope that is in us, we need to be ready to give out that hope to someone who has no hope. Yeah. To say, hey, you can walk through this. You can be free. You know, we are, as we're listening to this, again, it's really easy to say, oh, that makes sense, you know, for somebody who is addicted to meth or or even alcohol or whatever, but this really didn't apply to me. So, uh, listener, um, think through this question I'm about to ask my father. So, Dad, you ever tried to not drink coffee for a while? Yes. What happened? What was your experience? I, I had some bodily withdrawals. I had headaches. I had, there was some side effects to stopping something that uh, my body had to adjust to not taking in any longer. So I, I've gone through that, yes. So there was a physical and, and a, a psychological, a brain issue. So just to get free from, from to break the control of caffeine, mm-hmm. so it's not just addicts that need to, no. or drug addicts mm-hmm. that this applies to. This is to anybody that wants to make a change in your life. There's going to be something you got to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the challenge is being willing to go through the pain to get to the freedom because there was pain involved in trying to be set free. My body was making an adjustment. It was craving something. I wasn't feeding it. And so I had some physiological responses to that that, to a degree, brought some discomfort. Been easy to just uh, forget this. I'm going to go drink another cup of coffee, right? Um, So that's, to me, an issue... In this whole process of um, of recovery, there's pain involved, mm-hmm. and how deeply. You know, I was thinking about that when you were talking. Uh, you know, you can have a group of addicts, but who really wants to be free? Who's willing to go through the processing of the transformational side, which does have pain? I think it's uh, you know, like a, a a surgeon. They have to cut into you to take the disease out, mm-hmm. so there's pain from the surgery. But if you go through it, you'll be ultimately, the pain will go away. You'll be healed or, or well because that disease part has been taken out, right? But um, the pain is always the issue, right? Yeah. I mean, what, what we tell people when, when they come to us to either stay at our home, which we call Grace Transformation House, where you participate in our Radical Life Transformation Training and Mentoring Program is is are you ready? And we will ask that question mm-hmm. a dozen, two dozen times as right. we're in a, um, a casual interview type place. And, and ultimately what we get to is the question I'm really asking, I'm not asking if you're ready. What I'm really asking is the pain of change less than the pain of staying the same. Yeah. yeah. Because they have to recognize the pain of staying the same, uh, and usually you'll get an answer like, "If if 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 I don't get free, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. If if I don't get free, I'm going to I'm going to die on the street. If I don't get free, I'm going to spend the rest of my life in jail." And so you, not not that you're trying to to find negative motivation, mm-hmm. but but you you have to be real with people that hey to get free from addiction it's going to cost you right it's it's going to be painful it it's going to be trying it's going to be hard 
you're, you're not just going to come to my house and and uh, eat, sleep, have a hot shower, have quality food because you know we're restaurant cooks, right? Uh, it, it's, it's not going to be fun and games. We're not going to put puzzles together and binge watch Netflix and right. and uh, you know, hey, in a couple of weeks you're going to be free from addiction, brother. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, uh, uh, you, you're going to have withdrawal. Uh, you're going to battle desire. You're go, you're going to fight through uh, y- your self image. You're going to you're 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 going to you're going to discover that that there's pain and trauma that probably preceded your addiction that you really got to deal with in order to be healed in order to get free of the addiction that that you don't want to deal with. Um, you know, you, you're going to have some Bible study time around the table in which we're talking about the love and the grace and the mercy of God. And it's yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be some times where I'm going to be in your face and say, no, <laughs> you're not able to go in that car to the store because right. I don't yet trust you to go with that group. Right. Mm-hmm. What do you mean you don't trust me? <laughs> You don't trust yourself yet. And until you can trust yourself, I'll never trust you. I, I see, I read your eyes. I see your face. I, I know your reactions. I, I've seen your homework. I, I know where you're at. You're not ready to leave my house uh, without a chaperoned escort to know mm-hmm. that you're not making a deal on the way. Um, it, it, it's mm-hmm. tough being a house parent. Yeah. You know, um, so uh, you, you become everything to someone that's an addict when they come into your home. And, and uh, it, it's love and it's boundaries and it's, it's reality. Uh, scripture says the truth shall set you free. And, and, the, and the reality is we, we, we live in, in these false realities that we've made. Uh, now I'll come back to the beginning of the book. At the root of every addiction is a lie. Is a lie. That's right. Right. I agree with that. And so, uh, you know, we, we fell into this trap, uh, you know, we're in high school and, and all the cool kids are, are meeting out at the field at the end of, uh, East West 303 and, and, uh, we're going to have a party and, and, uh, you know, I'm going to go to that party, but I'm not going to do anything mm-hmm. or I'm going to be accepted yeah. in the group that I want to be accepted in. Cause I went to this party right. or, or I can, I can do this once but I won't ever get addicted or it won't hurt me mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever, you know, the, 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 the mentality was, was, was a trap that became a lie. And, and then once we believed that lie, we, we entered an alternate reality. Mm-hmm. So we, we went from what our reality was to this alternate reality and, and we can't escape that reality and, until we confront that lie. And to confront that lie, what do you gotta do? You gotta confront that with the truth. And... Uh, yeah, I like to say truth will hurt you before it will heal you. Because mm, it's good. like the scalpel of the surgeon. Uh, the truth will make you free, but you have to accept truth versus the lie. Uh, the lie... It, to a degree in my concept um, uh, sort of pacifies it, it sort of you know maybe in your mind uh, you think you're dealing with it you're you're but 
it's just sort of pacifying until you but when truth comes and you have that light hit the darkness something shifts something has to shift right mm-hmm. and generally that uh that revelation of truth is very painful at first to to accept because you have to accept that you believed a lie uh and then but in doing that you're on the process of getting free uh, and so that's a big issue I know a lot of times for all of us in whatever type of addiction we're in. Pastor Johnny mentioned just a minute ago about, uh, you know, carbs, about our physical health. And, uh, you know, th- those are those are stark realities you have to deal with. And sometimes you don't until, like in his process, the doctor say, hey, you better deal with this. You're, you're, you're in bad physical shape as well as your whole health is at risk and your future life is at risk so you hit that brick wall reality to a degree say man this is real i gotta do something about it right Uh, but there's pain involved in all that process so i was just thinking as you were talking about this um uh, what did you call it uh radical life transformation of course transformation means we're we're reproducing so we're producing something new uh it's almost like you have this this child in this adult body that you're you're having to treat as a child again. You know, you, mm-hmm. children have to learn to be trusted. They have to learn to be able to accept responsibility and function independently without mom or dad there making choices for them type thing. You know, so um, and of course that's a, that's a challenge and probably that's why a, a lot of us uh, uh, back away from becoming really mentors in those types of processing because again. Uh, we don't want to go through the, to the depth it takes to really bring someone through a transformational experience, and I think even a pastor of a church, we can say that too. You know, we like to we like to put a bandaid on rather than get to right. the root to yeah. operate. Um, and so, anyway, um, I think that's where this the understanding the whole concept of addiction that we all have these issues in one form or another, and even in the church. Uh, I like to say, you know, you've heard the adage, I, 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 I was saved, I'm being saved, I will be saved concept of salvation. Jesus has completed our salvation through his death, burial, and resurrection. He hands us this gift of salvation. Now I have to become being saved, working that out, you know, working through the process of transformation, acknowledging where deep within me in my emotional realm, my thought realm, uh, my, my actions, there, there's things I need to change. So I've got to identify those, deal with those. So I'm a process of living this sal- this saved life out, mm-hmm. becoming mature into Christ. And then one day we will be out of this physical realm, this bodily realm of, of sin. We'll be totally saved and complete in his kingdom eternal one day. Well, I think so. as preachers, we are addicted and we love the statement, biblical statement, the truth shall set you free. <clears throat> I've learned personally, and you allude to it in your book, truth will set you free, but truth applied is what changes your life. That's right. You got to do something with what you hear. You, you kind of take that idea and say it this way. It's your bondage that you have to break free from and nobody else can do it for you. In other words, you got to do something. That's right. Um, when, when you encounter someone and you're going to help them break free from addiction what are some of the practical things that that you encourage someone to do well there's there's a there's a process of of getting someone to admit to what is what is the lie that lies at that root and that and that takes 
it takes time and relationships. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, for one, we, we, we work with homeless people in downtown Oklahoma city. So, uh, uh you know, it, it, be, it begins with, with building a relationship and, and them knowing that we're going to be there and that we care and, and that we're not judging them for the condition they're in when, when we see them. Um, it, it builds into developing a, a conversational relationship. Uh, people need to know that, that you care before they're willing to, to trust or listen to what you have to say. Um, ultimately, you got to get to a place where you can talk about that lie, but it's not just talking about the lie. It's the fact that they have to be ready to make a decision. And oftentimes they'll say, yes, they're ready to make a decision to do something different. If it means that they can use you to get something from you, that decision-making process though is, um, and I like to use Colossians three, one, set your mind on things above, Mm -hmm. not on things beneath. Are you willing to make a decision that is outside the decisions that you've made in the past? Do you want to get free? Not just do you want to get free, but but do you want to be who God made you to be? Right. God designed you to be in his image. Right. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. If, if you just want to get free from drugs and alcohol so you can do your own thing someplace else, I'm really not the guy to work with you. Mm-hmm. If you want to get free of drugs and alcohol and figure out what God has for your life so you can be the real you you were made to be, let's spend some time together. Uh, but that begins with a decision and then understand it's not, it's not a one-time decision. I'm going to, I'm going to get free from drugs. I'm going to get free from Jim Beam. It's it's a decision that you make over and over and over again. Uh, when, when, when the understanding of salvation became real to me, it was explained to me this way. Uh, what, what Christ does is he comes and delivers you out of a place of bondage into a place of safety mm-hmm. and then keeps you in that place of safety. And all of a sudden, all my childhood comprehension of salvation was my sins were washed away so I wouldn't have to go to hell if I died in right. my sleep. Right. Went away. And all of a sudden, salvation became a living reality. Mm-hmm. Take that paradigm, if you would, and put that over an addict. It's it's not about, okay, I, I didn't do drugs at 12 o'clock when I normally do drugs at 12 o'clock. Yeah. So I'm safe. No, hmm. I'm gonna make that same decision at 4 p.m. I'm gonna make that same decision at 8 p.m. I'm gonna make that decision at midnight. When I wake up on the street at four in the morning, I don't know any other way, because I gotta go take a whiz. Sure. Okay, I gotta go find a, a, a place to go to the bathroom and hope there's toilet paper when I get there because right. I'm homeless. And my, my dealer is driving by in, in the Escalade. Yeah. I got to make a decision. So when, you know, in order to break free from addiction, I got to be ready to make a decision and I got to be ready to make that decision over and over and over again until I pass the point of being sober and I begin to enter the place of being clean. And when I am clean, 
is when I no longer have to make that decision. Yeah. Because now there's no temptation. And that's what you mean when you said earlier about you lose the taste for whatever that is. Yes. Um, again, I'm going to, I'm going to continually balance um, for those that are listening who, again, are going to battle this idea of, well, this isn't really applying to me. I don't need to listen to this podcast. So let's use coffee. All right. Um, you may not think that coffee is an addictive thing, but it definitely is because your body begins to need that, that caffeine. So whereas with someone who's with alcohol or, or drugs, you know, they're going to spend money, they're going to put their family in jeopardy and, you know, they have changes in their behavior. Well, how about, how about the people who love to say, don't talk to me until I've had my first cup of coffee. Okay. You're, that's an addict. That's an addictive Mm -hmm. uh, personality that's dominating and showing itself right there that, you know, in and of yourself until I've had that kick of caffeine, you don't want to talk to me. I may not respond in the right way as I've talked with addicts and tried to understand as far as when I say addicts, I'm talking about drug and alcohol. What it's done, as I say this, is it's helped me to understand, wow, man, I think about that in this area. Um, they, it's not so much that they want to get high. It's that when they're high, they feel normal now. So as they're going through the process of getting clean, that becomes very scary because it's, it's not normal. And the temptation is to go take that hit and go, oh, fine. That's, they become yeah. this person which is very similar to somebody on coffee who says, don't talk to me until I've had a cup. Yeah. So getting clean is getting to the place that we can function without the influence of things that trigger a physiological or a psychological response. Would that be correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's drug addiction is no different than, than the woman that has to buy a new dress to go to church Yeah. to get a compliment. Yeah, Sure. You know, um, it's, it's the things that you do to be seen so that you're, you can get an attaboy. It's, it's, it's even the things we do in the church. Sure. Not because that was our heart. Right. Uh, but we got, we got an attaboy. Mm-hmm. Well, sister so-and-so did this. Uh, you know, it, it could be why, <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't go here. It could be why we put our names on the offering envelopes. Mm -hmm. So the pastor knows how much we gave. Sure. So that we get special attention. Uh, We don't realize how far addiction permeates everyday life Mm -hmm. inside the church, outside the church, in normal society and in, in street life. Um, You know, it, it, it is cool to binge on Netflix. Yeah, we've been talking about this as a family uh, a little bit lately. You know, we were talking about about addiction to, to social media. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Hoda Kobe just just went to a retreat where she had to put her phone down for ten days and found out she was a happier person ten days later after not using her phone for ten days. Huh? You know, mm-hmm. now she's going to use her phone only to communicate with her family and necessary communicate because because she's missing out on life. Sure. Right. You know? So we don't, we don't realize how far addiction has, has got a hold of us. Let's talk about cell phones for a moment. 
Okay. Because that's that's a topic that our family has done some research in. Uh, my kids go to a Christian school. I'll put that out there. And at our Christian school, kids have to check in their phones when they walk in the building. Mm. They're not allowed to have their phones. You would think that you're pulling out their teeth, first of all. And then at when school is dismissed, they can go back to the office and they can retrieve their phones. And man, it is instantaneous. They're walking down the steps, staring at their phone. And so we brought a guy in that Microsoft has used. I don't want to say his name because I don't remember it perfectly, but Microsoft has used this guy. A lot of people probably don't know that Bill Gates and Microsoft started an island. Their thought was they it was an experiment. They, they brought a bunch of students to this island and using technology to prove that you can um, create smarter individuals using technology. So these kids are assigned a pad or a, uh, a laptop that as soon as they walk in uh, to the school there on the island, it, it logs in and gives them all their assignments. Everything is done that way. What they found is that they did not score well at all compared to others. So they brought this guy in to find out what was going on. And he, he's a psychologist and everything. And what he began to show them was when you spend 15 minutes and you're under the age of 18, just 15 minutes on a screen device like a phone or whatever it releases the same chemicals into your brain that a shot of heroin does and cocaine it does the same thing to your brain and so he wrote a book about about that study of of how that that cell phones are cocaine on your brain and so we as parents we don't want to deal with our kids so what do we do we hand them a tablet and so we are then producing in our kids addictive behaviors that is causing damage to their brain and we don't even realize it it's it's a dopamine endorphin overdose that changes how your brain is wired which changes creates a need for that type of response in order to feel that you were as normal as you were before so you you end up having to spend more and more time on your phone every day to get the same feeling that you got from you know, 20, 25 minutes a day gives me the feeling close to that I had 15 minutes and pretty soon it's an all day affair and you, you can't get enough internet, enough websites, enough social media. You, you, you know. So yeah, it, it, it's exactly the same as a drug addiction. Hmm. Exactly. Does that surprise you, dad? That it- no, I, I didn't know the science. I'd heard a little bit of what you're talking about. I, I don't know the science behind it, but just in observing uh, human activity, just observing people, and in ministry, it's all about people. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of negative fallout to it. I mean, just look at the terminology: Facebook, selfie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all about me. It's all about reinforcing the self, which is the biggest enemy to God, because we become our own God. We rule, we make decisions. We're not submitted now to a someone that we need help from. We are our own God. Now, of course, humanists, all of this, this is what they're wanting to do. They're wanting to displace God in our life, just like the serpent did to Adam and Eve in the garden. And so how do they do that? They, again, get us bound up in our own self-fulfillment, self-satisfaction, um, whatever the 
chemicals that are released into our body that makes us feel normal when really we're not normal from God's perspective because, again, we used that scripture earlier. We've all sinned. We've all missed the mark of being his image, his, his visible presence in the earth, which is how, what he created Adam and Eve to do. Go and reproduce yourself. Go and reproduce more children of God in the earth is what he was saying. But instead of that, we produce more of ourself, more of our own, uh, you know, uh, selfish mindsets, attitudes. It's all about me, forget you type thing. And you get into the whole Facebook world. You get into the whole, the whole social uh, media world. Uh, that's what it's all about. TV was the start of it in many ways. Um, and even radio, you go back to that. I mean, everything there has, I, I think it's important in simple terms to realize there's a motive behind everything. There's a spirit behind everything. And we have to discern, is that good or bad? And it can all be good, but it can all be bad too. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, and I think, again, this is why we need a Savior. This is why all of us need a Savior, because we cannot save ourselves yes. from ourselves. We have to have a new, a new heart put in us, a new spirit that Jesus said he would put within us that um, enables us now by that helping presence to identify those points of addiction, those points of sin where we're missing it, as far as God's concerned, and uh, and then allowing him to show us uh, how to overcome that through what we would call discipleship, growing up into Christ to where we live out the fullness of that life that he's put within us, that abundant life that he's come to give us. So um, it doesn't surprise me, um, but again, uh, we're dealing with the root issue of who is God, who is Lord, is it me or is it? Am I looking to a savior to to redeem me out of all this? Because in the end, we're all going to have to stand before someone, give an account, and um, even that context, uh, you will know the truth. The truth will make you free. That context or set you free is the context of uh, processing into a, a state where there's no uh, you're not punitive anymore. There there's no guilt because the guilt has has been taken from you through Christ. You come to know that. And so you can find liberty and freedom in that understanding versus you, again, wrestling with the sense of shame and guilt because of what you've done. This process of being saved, we accept the fact that he He has taken all that from us. And that gives us, I think, a, a doorway out of this self-condemnation and, and shame culture that sin traps us in. And uh, so anyway... He told me a few years ago when I went through a transformational experience, he, he said, um, um, I saved you for myself, son, for my uh, good pleasure. I created you, Revelation 4.11. So uh, learn, to, learn to be content and fulfilled in the fact that I love you. No matter what you say or do, I love you. So you don't have to perform before me. You don't have to perform to try and get the approval of people that's which is what the world is made up of but uh, i i've already approved of you that's why i saved you just find your fulfillment in me right and so in doing that that gives us an ability i think to rise above this codependency that we have sometimes on on things in this life to sustain us when if we can come to the realization that he is our savior and he's, he will sustain us uh, gives us the capacity i think to move beyond um, this uh, area of bondage yeah to uh, to help someone come out of addiction uh, 
you are you are going to be come available as a tool mm-hmm. to help bring salvation. Right. And in order to help bring salvation, you have to be able to relate relate to engage uh, to carry conversation. Right. Um, in in our world of of cell phones and and social media. Uh, we interact by gifts and memes and selfies and likes and emojis. <laughs> right. And I don't know anybody that's been saved by a smiling or heart emoji. That's true. So, um, you know, we, we've lost some of our ability to, to, to engage with people right. and, and to talk about serious things. Right. And, uh, I think, you know, talking from a church pastoral yes. perspective now, we, we have to train people how to re-engage verbally. Right, right. totally. Face-to-face. Right. right. And uh, I, I, I call it building bridges of connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's like in the beginning, God said, it is not good that man be alone. That's right. So he gave a helpmate. He created Eve for man. Uh, and yet what is all of this... Uh, media culture do it isolates us we're alone we think we're communicating through imagery or through texting whatever but there's something about the biology i've learned the biology the, the way god created us to verbalize and articulate things that affects us internally as much as express something externally mm-hmm. and my words do matter what i say certainly forms based originally in a thought but there's something about saying it that releases something in me that gives me the capacity and the strength to to live in a way i I should believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the lord jesus christ and you will be saved there's something about this confession this speaking and so much of our culture today we become couch potatoes because we binge on netflix let somebody else do all the interacting for us we just sit there and absorb it and the same thing, too, I think, uh, to a degree in the social media. Um, there's, a, there's a means of communication, but we're not really connected. Uh, just being here with you physically adds something to me. Yes. Because you impart, kononia is a, is a Greek term, uh, impartation of relationship. I get something by being together with you, not just imagining you or seeing you through a screen but the actual presence um and so a lot of that's lost in this culture today and so many people are isolated and alone um and you know there's a whole uh, topic now about um uh, we're the loneliest generation on the earth that's ever existed and yet there's people and things around us all the time yet we live isolated and alone you know so we have a job to do because, again, we all have issues that could be framed as addictive. And uh, I have to start with myself first. If I can be free, I've always said, how can I set somebody free if I'm not free? And I think that's where the churches function in many, time, many ways, too, and even ministry, ministers. We're trying to set other people free, and we haven't addressed our own bondage. And so we have to come clean there and say all of us have fallen short. You know, but God, uh, through Christ, gives us the imagery that we're to look to and live to. That's the Facebook. The Bible is the Facebook we should look into. Paul refers to it, or James refers to it as a mirror we look into. Um, 
so anyway, As we all we, we all need freedom. We son. all need freedom. Um, again, we're talking with Wayne Hines. He wrote a book called Breaking Free from Addiction, and uh, there is a link in the uh, description of this podcast that you can get it. It's in two forms on Amazon. You can get a physical hard copy, a paperback, or you can, like me, uh, purchase a Kindle version because I, I read on my Kindle all the time. I want to encourage you to get that. I'm also putting a link to um, another book that um, I, I'm, I referenced uh, here just a few moments ago called Digital Cocaine. It is um, by a guy named Brad Huddleston. And uh, if you want to to deal with an area of addiction in your life, um, get these two books. But the, the digital cocaine specifically deals with cell phones and screen time and what it does to our brain. And um, if, if so, if if you're on your phone all the time, you're an addict just like everybody else. If you can't, if you have trouble putting it down, <laughs> you're, you're an addict. Just admit it, deal with it, get that, and get breaking free from addiction. And together, um, as well as praying, um, I believe that God can can use these tools to help you break into freedom. In our last few moments here, um, as you guys were talking, I've been sitting here perusing this one chapter that I would like for you to speak into, um, Wayne. Uh, you you end your book. Uh, with a chapter called living with passion and purpose and you go through several purposes for life um would you speak into a few of those and before you do i love that you use jeremiah twenty nine eleven out of the message at the start of this i know what i'm doing <laughs> we all know what we're doing i have it planned out plans to take care of you not abandon you plans to give you a future and hope for you. Now that is from God's perspective, but man, there's some honest truth there that we plan out what we're going to do too. And uh, what would be some passions and purposes that you bring out in your book um, that, that uh, you might want to, to end with today? Well, I, I take everything back always to the fact that we were made in the image of Christ. We are to be his expression in the earth. And uh, as we said before, uh, you're not you're not going to really come out of addiction until you replace what you're there, there. There's a need. There's a hole. There's an emptiness. There's something you're trying to to overcome. Uh, whether it be you know you you smoke because it helps you with your anxiety, which is a lie. Smoking actually increases yes. your anxiety. Yes, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what smoking does is it gets you out of the place where you were in stress and gets you outside the building. It gets you outside of what you weren't wanting to deal with to get a mental break. That's how it helps mm-hmm. you with your anxiety. But physically, it ramps up your anxiety. Right. Uh, so, you know, what, what's, what's the root of that problem? There's, there's, there's an inability to deal with the situation. So you're using uh, a false mechanism uh, to solve a real problem. Uh, ultimately what we got to do is, 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 is communicate to people that, that there's a higher calling than just surviving. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm going to smoke a cigarette. I'm going to do these drugs because it's an escape. I can't deal with my reality. Well, your reality to start with is a lie. Yeah, that's right. I don't know if we got time for this, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but truth, yeah. truth in God's perspective yeah. is his reality from his eyes. Right. Reality 
is is what our world is as we see it and and our mission in life is to change our reality to become his truth that's good that's good that's right that that's your number yeah. one mission in life change your reality to be his truth that's really the heart of what jesus mm-hmm. was trying to get his disciples to understand about praying the kingdom what is in heaven that it be established yes, here in the earth absolutely mm-hmm. so or when manifest. you understand that 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 his his reality his truth is i made you in my image so we can fellowship together right. around the gloriousness of who i am right that translates in i don't have to escape a reality if my reality is truth and i can live as he designed me and there's peace and i no longer have a need to escape my reality for an alternate reality that is worse than the reality i've already got that's good yeah so there has to be a motivation there's a goal there's something to achieve which brings us back and i'm veering off from what you're asking me to go you know uh so so many so many programs for addiction recovery uh use the use the 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 aa type mentality hi my name is and i'm an addict right no 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 all things are passed away that's right. right the addict has died that's so true i am a new creation yeah. when i'm a new creation i'm clean right there's no taste in my mouth dead men don't mm-hmm. have addictions right i tell a story of of a friend of mine who is applying for insurance and I'm an insurance agent at the time and it asks questions like do you have a felony if you you know do you, do you have drug addictions blah 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 uh, they're looking for reasons to deny giving him life because it's not a good investment right. to give life insurance to someone that's not a good investment right and and I know his background but I'm interviewing him anyway for like because I need the experience I'm new in the business and 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 he says I don't know how to answer these questions and I already know the answers. And he says, I said, why? He says, well, it's asking me this question if, if this and this and this. And he says, it's the old, and I don't remember what word I used in place, but it's the old Joshua that did this. The new Joshua has never been an addict. The yeah. new Joshua has never been a felon. The right. new Joshua. Right. He had the most radical concept of old things passed away, all things that I've ever experienced. And I looked at myself in that moment and said, you know what? I could, I could be an overcoming Christian if I had his revelation Mm -hmm. of passed Mm -hmm. away and all things become new. And I didn't have that at that time. Right. So, um, where, where was I going? Help me. <laughs> All right, let well, me let me purpose. feed you one. Let me feed you one. Purpose is to live the new life. It is to yeah. live the new life to make manifest the reality of heaven in, in your mm-hmm. life and in the earth. To make heaven come to earth. Mm-hmm. I love this quote. I want you to talk in it for just a moment. We got a couple minutes left. I just like this. Hopefully, you understand that your doing flows out of your being. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. I I, I grew up. I grew up all my I grew up all my life in church. I grew up all my life in church doing to be accepted by God. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reality is whether you've grown up in church or not, you can never have darkened the church door and and you're t- 
taught from from very little that that you you do to become right and it and it's backwards mm-hmm. who you are mm-hmm. determines what you do it's it's the it's the fruit of the spirit faithfulness and the old testament concept thou shalt not commit adultery so i can go around all day long tell myself okay i'm not going to commit adultery i'm not going to commit adultery i'm not going to commit adultery trying to be faithful yeah but right. the more i think about not committing adultery the more likely i am probably right mm-hmm. to commit adultery yeah, where right. if i understand that that by the gift of of the that fruit in my life because mm-hmm. he's in me I am faithful. Mm-hmm. I don't have to struggle with being faithful. I don't have to right, convince right, myself. Right. I don't have to comply to a rule. If if I understand I am faithful, then I just live out faithfulness. Right. There's no struggle to be faithful. Mm-hmm. Right. Adultery is never an issue in my marriage because sure. I am faithful. Sure. Right. You know, uh, as you're talking, I just I, I'm thinking of that that statement in the book of of James that a double-minded man is an unstable in all of their ways. The root of that is a dual-souled person. Now, technically, we have two souls. We have a natural and a spiritual. We're two people at the same time. When we receive Christ and our spirit is born again, then we have a spiritual life that's active along with our physical life, right? But if we never make a decision to become one or the other, then we're dual-souled. And so many Christians still live out of their natural mind and their natural feeling and their natural motivations rather than embracing the spiritual mind and the the, the fullness of the spirit of Christ and say, I'm living now as a spirit man, not a natural man. So I've made my choice. And in in this spiritual mindedness, sin has no issue because he's already taken care of all the sin so i don't have to walk around with guilt and shame condemnation fear of failure because i'm complete in him right and as i as that's reinforced in me that's who i become and this other old man that is truly crucified we've taken the cross out of the whole formula because that is a place of death to the old and uh, being raised up to be a new creature in christ but we still, we haven't put our old man to death because we haven't made a clear choice in our mind to say, this is now who I am. And I'm living from this perspective, from God's point of view and not the, you know, the, the fallen human point of view. Uh, that, I, have, I have a saying that everything we need to know about God's life, we can learn from the Garden of Eden. Right. So taking off from where you're at, if, if we understand that Adam's, one of Adam's first commands was to fill the earth and subdue it. And we automatically think that's the globe right. and it was him. him. If he would have subdued his yes. earth, he yeah. never would have had a fall that at is. the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And so, uh, yes, mm-hmm. our, our, our purpose in life is to bring death yeah. to the natural human self right. so that we can live the fullness of the spiritual life which is the manifestation of the purpose and plan of God that he had for us originally. And the beauty of the gospel is Jesus has already done that for me. Yes. I died with him on that cross. If I can see that, I don't have to deal with the old man anymore. I can truly embrace the new man in Christ, the resurrected man of Christ, that is full of love, joy, and peace, no longer guilt, shame, condemnation, because he took all that on the cross for me when he killed me. I used to say, you know, that, that he died for me. He said, no, no, I died with him. 
Yes. He died with me on that cross, right? And yes. if we can reckon ourselves dead, the Bible says, consider yourself dead to sin, alive unto God, that shifts everything. So I think, again, we need to capture the, the power of the cross, not looking at it as uh, an emblem of our shame, but as a place of our resurrection, that, that going through the cross, we become brand new in him. And the old is left at Calvary. The old is covered by the blood. The old is buried with him in, in death, right? And so, again, I think that's a challenge that we have as ministers to try and help bring people to that reality. So, so let me sum up but for anyway. you, maybe. Our, <laughs> our purpose is to live as him. That's good. In the earth. That is so true. Our purpose is to live as him yeah. in the earth. And we have to understand what it is to be a new man. Yeah. And if we're going to get free from addiction, we have to drop the old, crucify the old, however we want to say right. that in Christianese or in, yeah. or in clinical terms. Uh, you have to leave the old man behind. Yeah. You have to subdue your earth. You have to make a decision every day. I'm going to put to death this addiction. Right. I'm going to live free from this addiction. I'm going to discover what it is that God put me on the face of the earth to do. Yeah based on who he made me. Right. And when I know who he made me to be, then I yeah. can figure out what I'm to do. And when I can figure out what he made me to do, I can be satisfied. And when I'm satisfied, I don't need something else right. to satisfy me. That's right. That's good. Again, uh, thank you for being with us today as we've been talking about uh, overcoming addiction of all kinds. Yes. <laughs> Something that we all need to do. And uh, Wayne, thanks for being with us and sharing about your book. I want to encourage you again. There's a link in the description of this podcast for breaking free from addiction. You can get it on Amazon, both in printed as well as digital for the Kindle. And um, as, as we get out of here, I want to finish it up this way. Um, the key to what you both were just talking about there is repentance. Mm -hmm. And, we have this idea that repentance is to acknowledge what we've done and to say, I'm sorry. And, um, but if you, if you, if you do a little bit of looking, um, Jesus makes the comment in Matthew three, two, um, well, in Matthew three, two, it talks about John the Baptist and his message was repent, you know, then Jesus comes along and in Matthew four seventeen, from it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That word repent there uh, is uh, mataneo, which means to change your mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't, it doesn't mean acknowledge. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean say, I'm sorry. Yeah. It means change the way you think. Yeah. And if we're going to break free from addiction of whatever it is, we got to change the way we think. That's absolutely right. Which is really what Paul gets into when he says, if you're going to experience transformation, you got to change your mind. Romans 12, 2. So I encourage you, grab these tools, but more than anything, repent. That's it. Change your mind. Change the way you think. You can be free. You can live the life he created you to live. That's it. And that's our heart's desire for all of you. Wayne, thanks for being here. Dad, thanks for being with me. We'll see you again next year, 2022, for another edition of the Renewed You Podcast. Till then, God bless.